0: We are uh, in our series on Ecclesia, and this, this morning, I'm waiting for my machine to restart because there was a problem. Um, I don't know what problem there was. Cool. Um, so I want to begin by looking back at the definition that we the, for, gave for the church last week. Um, how many of you remember that, took a picture of it, and then went back and worked on memorizing it? Okay. I knew that nobody would raise their hands. Honestly, I did. Um, But I want to encourage you, memorize that. I I actually have been working on memorizing it. Okay. So it's a great, great, simple definition. I'm I'm not asking you to do something I I won't do myself. Okay. So it, it is a, the church is a community of disciples who are obedient to the word of God. Okay? And I think that's a key place that we need to begin. Obedience to the Word. And, and then it is about organize, uh, an organization that's under the leadership that our that Definitely designated and qualified leaders, and the reason I add kind of designated, and I don't want you to put that in the definition necessarily, but those, there's a designation about how we do that by laying on of hands and acknowledging those things. Okay, so, so there is this transfer that always happens in leadership, and then we set are set a, uh, apart to do certain things um, that are in this this definition, um, such as uh, worshiping, going through this thing that we call the preaching or teaching of God's Word, and then it is about experiencing the ordinances of baptism and communion together, which we're going to actually do next week. Um, Jeff Mefford, are you still in here? He was, he's out. Okay, he's taking care of some ministry things. Uh, he organizes the ushers and stuff. He also is the one who's responsible for making sure that uh, things are ready for communion, so I was going to help him out today. Greg and Amy, make sure that we're ready with that, because I know y'all help too. So, cool, Greg gave me the thumbs up. Um, so those are things that we do together. And then, uh, ultimately, we are unified by the Holy Spirit, which is a great, in, important piece because I, I, I think that's part of what I also identified out of that reading of Ephesians, that if we don't have the Holy Spirit indwelling us, the possibility of unity is it, it's, it's not really possible. And we might think, well, we can be unified, but we're unifying the wrong thing, and that will break down eventually. Um so what the Holy Spirit does to bring us together is essential. And then when you you look at this next part is that we are disciplined for holiness, Mm -hmm. and then we're scattered to fulfill both the Great Commission and the Great Commandment, um, ultimately glorifying God. So there's a lot of elements in this definition that are really key for us as we go through this uh, series on Ecclesia. And and I want to remind you that this is not just about the next couple of weeks that we're in this series, because we'll come back at some moments later and even dive a little bit further into what, what the church is about. So, so this is a definition that really, if you kind of have in your back pocket, uh, maybe have on a note card or something where you can go back and look at, compare notes uh, with what's happening uh, in the pulpit, it will help you. Now, this week, as I was... Um, Preparing And Steve and I, what we've kind of done is we've, we've bounced notes back and forth to each other, talked, had some dialogue, and that's happened with other elders at, at other key points too, but especially as we're kind of driving towards the message because we're on the platform uh, this week together, we, we've done a little bit more of that honing. Um, but this week, in, in my personal contemplation, I, I started thinking about what, what happens, and, and I, I would um, venture that a lot of you have thought through this, this same thing, what happens when someone that you know that claims Christ uh, has some kind of negative experience and then they end up denying the faith, walking away from the church, uh, saying that they are no longer faithful in, in their obedience to Christ? And how does that cause you to feel? Because the truth is, for me, it, it creates a lot of grief. It creates some frustration. It, it, it creates a, a deep Uh, sense uh, of sadness. And ultimately, I think it's not just for me personally, but it's also about what happens in the body. Does that make sense? And have y'all ever experienced that with someone where where you've watched those things happen and and you just, your heart breaks, right? Because what we see is where they should be connected deeply in relationships with one another in, in Christ's community they end up breaking off and and they're jeopardized by everything that that they experience from that moment on. Because I think there's almost this callousness that occurs in their their lives um, as a result of that. And I want to say this, because I think this is a thought that that I had, Steve and I have talked about this, and, and you'll understand it too, but we recognize that there is no perfect church, Right. There's no way there's a perfect church. Well, there there might be. It doesn't have any people in it, right? But here's the the thing, because as soon as we go into it, what happens? It becomes imperfect. But but here's a cool thought. So so follow this. If there's no perfect church, but there is one thing that's happening, the church is constantly being perfected. You, You get that? That's the beauty. Though we're imperfect, we are always being perfected because of Christ's work in us. And if we could just take that thought this morning for just a moment and really hang on to that and know that everything else that, that we are going to say and do this morning and think through, it's about us being perfected. That That is a great foundational point. Despite the grief that, that somebody goes through, if we are being perfected, how do we cling into that to the Lord uh, on that purpose, in that purpose that He is accomplishing mm-hmm. on His behalf mm-hmm. For us to ultimately bring Him glory. So ultimately what what happens is we get to this point where we're looking at what it means to be a a group of people that gather together. So remember um, last week we talked this kind of this broad overview of the church. And then we looked at specifically things about the grove. So we talked especially about our strategy or the, the map of ministry. And we have a three-step process. It's gathering, growing, and going, okay? Don't be going, Burgesses. <laughs> Not in the wrong way. So we gather, we grow, and we go. And so this week, what we really want to explore is the importance of gathering together as a, a body of believers, uh, because God has called us to gather And I think that's an an important thing. So Steve and I, again, have entered into some dialogue this week. And and Steve, I think you've introduced, um, and just reminded me more than introduced, but some key thoughts in my thinking, especially about um, what it means to, to like, focus in on four values is Mm -hmm. kind of what you highlight. The first one is Mm -hmm. exhorting and encouraging one another. So you want to address that a little
1: bit? Yeah, you know, that... um when you look at Acts two forty-two to forty-seven, there 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 was that that fresh new revelation of what of what the disciples were starting to get to understand um, after after Christ had ascended into heaven and he had more or less just said, "Guess what, y'all are doing it now." You, you know what I mean? And so when you look at that, it says. Um, you know, that they had everything in common and they were working together and, and the Lord was blessing that because, because they had an effectiveness in the community as a result of all of that. And they were coming together and nobody had any need. And so when we talk about the exhorting and encouraging one another, it's, it's being in a community of fellowship that, that I can say, I truly want to do what I can to see you be a success as part of the body of Christ. It's a Mm win-win. What can I do to be successful as a Christ follower, but what can I also do to make you successful at being a Christ follower? So when you go back to the working definition of the church, what is it that you and I can do in in real encouraging and and the word exhort, expound real quick just what exhort might mean. Well, I I think it
0: looks both at the idea of encouraging because we say exhort and encourage, but I think it also is about this this idea of challenging one another not to to be involved or not to stay at the status quo. Right. That that when you exhort someone into something, it's about saying, hey, you're here, but you can do something better with with where you are in your life, with with your skills, your gifts, those kind of things. So
1: what you're saying is you're encouraging with a sense of intentionality towards something. It's just not making them feel good, patting them on the back. Does that make sense? So as we exhort and encourage, um, I had kind of mulled this definition over of of a nurturing relationship because that's kind of what it is. We're we're in relationship. If you know somebody at the church, raise your hand. Guess what? Because you know them, you're in relationship. Does that make sense? You're not an island. There's no single one person that is the church we are the church. So we're in relationship. So nurturing relationships are those authentic friendships that build up, encourage, and challenge one in their spiritual journey, which means fleshing out being the church. Yeah. So I think we equip, we create fellowship, and we do that with prayer. How does that kind of resonate with you, those three things? Equip, fellowship, and prayer.
0: Yeah, there's there's a ton that resonates in my mind, Steve, because immediately I run to Ephesians about how the, the leadership gifts are there to equip the body of saints for the work of the ministry.
1: Ephesians chapter 4. Yeah. Write that down. And, Ephesians and, chapter 4. And then four.
0: fellowship is obviously key. We we say we want you to fellowship in, in the church service time, but I'm going to be honest. Um, that That's almost a little token in, in what happens here. Uh, what I want, and I think this is, when I say I, I'm speaking really for the elders Um, What we've discussed is we want fellowship to occur in a lot of other ways in our body life. Come early and and be here to pray with one another before the service starts. I I would even say this, that fellowship time we say, hey, greet one another, right? But it ought to be, hey, I haven't connected with you. How can I pray for you and with you this morning in that five minutes or so? That, That we're even in there knowing what's going on, uh, in people's in one another's lives so that we're ministering effectively to one another in that time so
1: so really it's a continuation of the relationship that is already going on it is fellowship is 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 a small aspect so we talk about fellowship here like you know hang out and talk for five minutes before we get back into doing the songs but really it should be a continuation of authentically saying I want to continue to build that relationship i want to i want to build into you i need you to build into me Mm. as we're exhorting and encouraging one another to be what it is that god has called us to be yeah so it's not just again that hang out for a few minutes and maybe make each other feel good or, or maybe you know give the high five or whatever it's it's the continuation of already being in relationship
0: yeah and, and so we, we've worded this, and, and I want to kind of give you this, not kind of, I want to give you this word really c- carefully and clearly, connected. Yeah. I know that's a part of our mission, if you will, connecting communities, mm-hmm. changing lives. If I am disconnected yeah. from you, I can't be healthy. I can't do ministry well. I, I, can't, I, I can't minister to others well if I don't have the connection of the church body. So so let me give you a a quick illustration of that that I hope resonates with you. Every Almost every week, I try to talk to my friend, Eric, um, who's who's my accountability partner, and one of the key questions that he and I ask each other is, how are you doing in connection with your wife? And and so he asked me that, and that can't be a token answer. That needs to be about how Katie and I are relating well to one another on a multitude of levels. Because if we're not connected, ultimately guess what we're going to end up being? Disconnected. And, and how well we are connected is key to our marriage. Y'all, does that resonate with all of you married couples? Yeah. And, and so it's no different in the church. And, and you can get this, when you get a little bit Disconnected, like connection starts to, to draw apart a little bit. Ultimately, it gets thin, and then it seems like at some point you get into the disconnection. It's different, right? When you get stretched and thin, you're not as healthy as you can be. And, and so it's important for Eric to ask me and go, Oh, we haven't had a date in four weeks, six weeks. And me we go, Whoa, I, before we talk again next week, I've got to at least have that scheduled. Because mm-hmm. sometimes it's about calendaring and those kind of things. Mm-hmm. But we want to stay connected. Now, here's my, my point. Is it any different for us as a church? Hmm. If you think about your connection to the body, how well you're equipped, how well you fellowship, how well you pray together, all of that happens as you grow in connection in the body so that you can exhort and encourage one another. Because if you can't do that through connection, you're going to feel disconnected and you're going to grow frustrated. And then you're going dis- to be, be distant. And then ultimately what it's going to do, it's going to grieve the body itself because you're not connected and you're, you're like a hand that's been separated from the body and it's not going to do us any good right, right. or yourself any good. And, and then ultimately the Lord can't work in and through us. So connection in this way is essential. So yeah, you have other thoughts, I, yeah. Steve?
1: Well, I, I, as you were saying that, I was thinking the opposite of connection is disconnected. And that, that kind of resonates a little bit more because you're literally saying you're cut off. Mm. You know, and how many of you love the self-service here in the greater Nashville area?
0: <laughs> Don't raise your hand.
1: You, you know, and how many of you times are like, man, we th- this is a bad connection. You know, you know what I'm about? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me? And and I think we find that 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 again that connection in community connecting literally means we're constantly in a state of of. Ongoing give, give yeah. and take, exchange to where I'm, I'm in your life more than just an occasional, hey, I'm checking in. Right. You know, we, we can't do that. And so I think it's very interesting that you also kind of made that connection, as it were, connecting with you, the, the hand getting cut off. You know, that, that fellowship of being the body says the hand is important, Right we we have we have an understanding but the hand is not good if it's not connected to the rest of the body and so while you may think man i i'm really important i've got a lot of skills and abilities and you're a hand but you don't want to do anything in connection with the body in and of itself how effective is this hand going to be so so think of connection really being that ongoing it's non-negotiable. Mm-hmm. The connection that we have in the body of Christ is non-negotiable, and it's ongoing. You can't be disconnected; you, you just can't. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And if, if you become disconnected, you can't be healthy.
1: No, no, not at all.
0: So obviously, what we're looking at is we're gonna, we're talking this morning about these four values mm-hmm. that are key to the, to us being a healthy church. So that first one is connection. The second one is community, mm-hmm. and uh, with that community, though, is this idea of what we are doing to be unified in community, mm-hmm. so go back to that, that passage I read in, in Ephesians uh, 2 this morning, it's about how Jesus worked to, to bring about uh, the, the reconciliation of the Jews and Gentiles, that there's uh, two people groups that have been brought into one body in Him, what an incredible work He's done, and, and so that's all nations everywhere, ultimately. So, so don't, don't think about it just as Gentiles as a specific group. That's everyone other than Jews. So he's reconciling all men to himself, right. which is an incredible thing. Mm-hmm. And so unity in the church is absolutely key. So we've yep. we got connection absolutely. and then unity in the community. So what are some things uh, that we need to think about? you got some verses that you, you highlighted, Ephesians 4, Ephesians Psalm 133. 4, Psalm 133,
1: verse 1 uh such a, such a lovely lovely word um psalm david rocks that's just all i can say but listen to what it says it says behold how good and mm-hmm. pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity mm-hmm. and and so you know you, you take that and you parse that back with the whole of ephesians um four, talking about that that we are unified because we're unified under the banner of being the body of christ because we are also unified in spirit we we have the holy spirit that is that is that unifying factor in making the body you know because you mentioned that in ephesians 2 how how we're knit together by 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 the spirit it's right. just not just a thing it's just it, it's real that that our connection is, is found in that that the community is constantly unified. So as we press into what those look like, there are some areas of ministry that we look at. There are some areas of unity that we need to really have that you're going to find in the church as a whole, but but breaking it down to the local church. And I think that'd be fun to really kind of press into those. So the first one, Matt, if I were to say this... Um, what, what would be a high value of having theological unity in the local church?
0: Well, I think that's probably one of the highest places because our theology together is what uh, enables us to walk together with Christ. Mm-hmm. And, and so if we have differences in our theology, then we're going to ultimately end up divided. Now, I think there's there's certain things that we can hold open-handedly, um, and then there's certain things that we need to be closed-handed about. Um, in, in terms of what we believe. So when you do membership, um, like you, you remember, remember that we go through basic core doctrines of the church. Those things are what we're saying. These are absolutely who we are as a church. And so those, those are things that we cling to. Um, there's other things that we, we might go, well, if you have a little bit of difference in that, it's, it's not the end of the world. Um, and, and I'm, I can't think of anything right now um, to, to illustrate those. But let me let me give you a, a piece that I really want you to hear about theological unity. I think this is a, a cool thing that the Lord revealed to me this week in my own personal study for this. And I've preached on this passage a ton or quoted it a ton. It was drilled into my mind in uh, my undergrad work. And that's Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. But I want to go back and read a little bit more of that. And I want you to open your Bibles and look at this too. So we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 10 because I think this is a great... Great, great piece that um, helps us understand where theological unity is ought to um, to, to lay foundationally and the, the keys for us. So in Hebrews ten, starting in verse, um, let's do start in nineteen. That'll give us a little bit more context. Okay, so Hebrews ten nineteen. Therefore, brothers. You, you could just say believers there. That's the idea. Since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, and since we have a great, high, a great priest over the house of God, now listen to this because there, this is going to really be cool. Let us draw near. So, so I would underline let us draw near. Okay? And, and
1: the key component is the word us. It's not, yes. just a, it's not one or two. It's not everybody but me. It's let us Draw near.
0: Right, so there's that community aspect that we're talking about, unity and community. So let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Mm-hmm. So, so faith, do we all have a theological unity in our faith? Now, now faith is about who? Me? No. It's about who my faith is in, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. So we need to draw near to one another about our faith, our common faith in Christ. Yep. Now he continues... Um, So uh, let me pick back up. With our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Because of our faith in Christ, what He does for us is it cleanses us Mm -hmm. from our sins. Now look at verse 23. This little phrase, now I didn't say this, but the Greek there is this same verse tense that occurs in 22, 23, and 24. So 23, let us hold fast. So, So first we had let us draw near, then we're to hold fast. That's a key that, that we are to cling tightly to that. Okay? So, so what is it, too? The confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. So, so, here's the thing that we are to look to in that as we hold fast is what? Our hope. Now, now what is our hope? It's in the work that Christ has done that is guaranteed for us. Yep. Now, now let me make this clear. If our faith is in Christ and what He's doing for us, our hope is in what He's already accomplished that's settled. So this ought to start ringing some bells. Faith, hope, and then, wow, look at what happens in verse 24. And let us consider, there's that third one, how to stir one another up to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Yes. So let us do what? Consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, faith, hope, and love.
1: Yeah, and I think what's beautiful about that is that when you look at that, then, then the understanding of exhort and encourage has, has a real bite to it because it's not about what I would like. That's right. It's, it's not about what I would like to see done. And that's one of those things that you talked about with the open hand and the closed hand. There are some things that I would like to do, and we're going to to press into this in a little bit. Um, But this holding fast, like I am not letting go to the confession of my faith that Jesus Christ has done everything that he said he's going to do, and he will be faithful to complete it. Right. He's done it. He wins, and I believe it. And so when we hold fast to that faith... Then when we see all of the other things and how to consider stirring up one another to love and good works, I, I, I think it just really rings deep inside of me that spurring on into action being yeah. the body.
0: Yeah. And, and I think that's why the writer of Hebrews makes that so important. Yeah. And, and I, I think it's intentional that he uses those three key values, mm-hmm. the faith, hope, and love, right. is that if we're not looking at those and carefully considering how we can encourage one of those uh, one another right. about those mm-hmm. things, we've missed the boat as the yep. church. And so when we get together, we can do a lot of great things, but if it's not about our faith, our hope in Christ, and our love and good works, then we're missing out, folks. Mm-hmm. We, we've got to be meeting together to make sure that those three key values yep. are the theological center of everything that we do. Because, yep. again, it goes back to theological center on Christ, His work, and then how we flesh that out, which goes back to our, our definition, uh, our working definition of a disciple, that we would be people that live out the great commission and the great commandment, yeah. right? Which is loving the Lord your God and loving others, if we, yeah. we put it in that sm- simple of a nutshell.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: So, so Steve, that's theological unity. Yep.
1: Mm-hmm. Then we also see what? Re- how many of you see, when, once we start to parse this out, that once again, when we're talking about all this, we're talking about that weird understanding of going, while I may not be family, I'm family. Make sense? Because he said, you know, it was funny, you said, um, therefore, brothers, and you said believers. I like the word brothers because it's that understanding of family. Mm-hmm. Brothers and sisters, we're, we're, we're family, so, so we're those members in that. So I think the other thing that we really have to understand is, as we look at the local church in this context is that there's a high value in all of this in having unity in our relationship. Right. You know, and um, trying to figure out ways that we can grow relationally, but but understanding that there's just, again, that non-negotiable high value of saying, I need to be in relationship. And so having that unity and that understanding that relationship is always a very high value. So how would you say, when I, when I want to build relationship, how do you kind of press into that when, when we're talking about it from a spiritual standpoint?
0: Well, I, I think... There's the first thing that comes to mind is relationships require time. Um, if we don't spend time together, how do you have a relationship?
1: And, and so you're saying that Instagram I- is not a good way to build relationships? No. Facebook I, I, is not a great way to build.
0: They're, in, they're based on information. Right. <laughs> I, I mean, that, and if we got really down to it, oh, I'm friends on Facebook. What are you really doing on that? You're just finding out information. That's not about relationship. You've not
1: built a relationship.
0: Relationship is about time together, serving side by side, linked up in in relationship with one another so that you're speaking the truth, that you're doing these things that we're talking about in community with one
1: another. So faith, hope, and love is actually being fleshed out. It's just not being talked about. It's being fleshed out and lived out.
0: Right. And so here's uh, listen to this Proverbs. This is Proverbs 27, verses 9 and 10. And I love the imagery of Proverbs in this, because this captures a a great idea. Oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Do not forsake your friend and your father's friend, and do not go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. Better is a neighbor who is near than a brother who is far away. It it just pairs that down, because... I, I could be having oil and perfume on or cologne um, right now, and y'all are too far to notice that. Steve might could, um, because that's something that you have and you, you recognize in proximity to someone, right?
1: Unless you're wearing polo, how many of you
0: remember <laughs> how
1: strong polo was? Going back to the eighties, yeah. Eighties called. They yes. want their cologne back. Yes. Yeah.
0: But the the idea is that we have to be drawing near into mm-hmm. relationship. Yeah. And, and so that's where that community in, in relational unity comes from is, mm-hmm. is proximity
1: yeah and I think you you hit it in that in that verse look at that last little part of verse um, 9 and the sweetness of a friend comes from what
0: earnest counsel
1: earnest counsel how's that how does that resonate to you when you're creating relationship that,
0: well, well, yeah if you don't have a relationship with someone and they begin to give you counsel or advice you don't have enough trust in, in that relationship right. or from a relationship right. to receive it. So relational uh, unity is where ca- the trusted uh, advice uh, or the the platform for trusted advice comes from. So that's doing life together and watching the fruit of someone's life carefully so that, you know, I can trust them, they're consistent. Tho- those kind of things build that foundation for, for relationship and earns counsel.
1: Which goes goes back again to that understanding of, Ex- exhort and encourage in moving us to be a healthy church. Yes. So, yeah.
0: So, I'm going to refer back to our working definition for just a second. I'm going to read this. So, you see the second line, it says, we are organized under qualified leadership. There, there That line um, deals with something else in unity, and that mm-hmm. is this, a philosophical unity, That that what we mean when we gather, we have to have a a philosophy that says this is what we are a community built around. Mm -hmm. So for us as a church, specifically, we have elder government. That's very different than a lot of churches in Robertson County Mm -hmm. in particular. Uh, but, But that's a philosophical approach that we have to ministry. That you guys, if you're especially a member of this church, you said we agree to that. We recognize that that's God's plan for this church body, and philosophically, we are going to operate according to that plan. Um, so it's it's the essentially the values that we esteem uh, help us establish philosophical unity mm-hmm. so that we are a church aligned together in how we're approaching ministry. you yeah, want to so add some yeah, things to yeah,
1: that? Um, so one of the things that I think that when I when I pressed into this, Down in Alabama for the five years that I was down there, um, there was a lot of people who wanted to do ministry like this. And this is where I kind of kind of struggled with that going, do we lead with open hands? Okay. How many of you like to do things a certain way? You you've got kind of a, a, a routine, right? Right? There's nothing necessarily wrong with that. But if I always say we're going to do it my way, I've suddenly said it's my way or the highway. And, and healthy leadership says, I want to lead with open hands. And if there's a better way to do being the church, then then, then let's do it. Mm-hmm. Here's what I have to offer. Here are my thoughts. Here are my concerns but it's not going to necessarily be the way Steve's always done it. Yeah. The seven most dangerous words in the church is, we never did it that way before. And, and so I think when we talk about the philosophical unity, you're going to find that, that for a certain season, the way, the way the grove kind of fleshes itself out in community, it may change next year. Mm-hmm. Are we willing to go, oh, you know what? That's cool. We're not going to do it that way this time. So some of those activities, some of those programs, some of those, some of those ways of doing whatever ministry, we're going, you know what, we're going we're gonna to look at that and look at the effectiveness of that and go, you know, if there's a better way to accomplish being the church, let's go for it.
0: Right. And, and so if you go back to some of the things that we highlighted last week, especially with our values, and mm-hmm. I'm going to hit those right. really quick, out of our name, you have Grove, okay? Mm-hmm. God's glory, relationships. Already you see how these values are yep. supporting everything about the unity and community of the body. Opportunities. Mm-hmm. What opportunities is God presenting? Mm-hmm. And then V is for vibrant. Yep. That, that That's part of what, what yep. Steve is addressing here in philosophical unity. Because if we're not vibrant and we need to change, we, we've got to be ready to change because We need to be philosophically united based on that value, not because that's always the way we did it, but because this is a season that God's calling us to do something different. So as the the leadership of the the church identifies those things with further, like when I say leadership, especially the elders, then you would have deacons, then you would have ministry leaders. As we're talking about those things, we would go, what vibrant things do we need to consider uh, because, or, or things do we need to consider in a vibrant way because opportunities are changing? And the church life is changing, but we need to maintain philosophical unity in the midst of those things. Right. So, is, is that making sense to you guys? How we evaluate and look at ministry, and it's not this haphazard stuff. Right. And and, and that's I think that's a key because ultimately it's the body doing body life together.
1: Um, well, well, go back, go back um, in Ephesians chapter four. It says, and he gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. Not bad, huh? Right. To do what? to equip the saints for, for the, the work, work of, of the ministry. ministry, okay? So if you look at that, that's kind of the philosophy. How do you equip? With what do you equip? What does ministry look like? That's vibrant, mm-hmm. that's changing, that, that's, that's, I don't wanna use this word negatively, but it's evolving, it's, it's a dynamic shift of change that changes good because we're, we're shifting and changing as a church to relevantly meet what it is that, that God has called the church to go do and be. Right. So so in that, the equipping and, and the work is that vibrancy of having that and, and actually looking forward to going, what is it that God's doing new? What is it that God's doing? And let's be part of that. So, so having that unity and going, okay, yeah, we can all be working together for the good. And so the way we go about doing that to equip and, and build is what's vibrant.
0: Yeah, good, good. And, and, and then ultimately, I think when, when we recognize how we are to be vibrant as mm-hmm. a church body together, it impacts our missional unity.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and, and I think that's a, another value or, or approach that we, we need to recognize, mm-hmm. because if God is calling us to fulfill the Great Commission and the Great Commandment, those would be our missions, if you will, how are we doing that well together? Yeah. Yeah. Be- because the truth is, it's hard to do those things on your own unless yeah. you're really, really uniquely equipped, right. which I don't think anyone's ever done it by themselves. Even, even let me give you a quick like, synopsis of, of that. Think about when Paul, Barnabas, and Mark were doing ministry together in Acts. One of the things that happened was Paul had a disagreement with Barnabas about the value of Mark in ministry. And so what happened is Barnabas said, no, Mark is of great value. He's my uh, nephew, and I want to be an encourager to him to watch him develop. So Paul, guess what? I can't stay with you. Well, Paul didn't say, well, Barnabas and Mark, y'all are gone. Let me go off on his own or on my own. What did he do?
1: He He grabbed
0: Silas Silas and said, let's go together, Silas. And then while he was doing ministry, uh, at that point, he meets up with Timothy. So he Mm -hmm. He brings Timothy into a, mentor, a mentoring right, relationship. Right. So it's constantly about us in mission being unified yeah, to accomplish God's purpose. Yeah, because the truth is, Steve, when I'm weak, guess what I need?
1: You need me. To have your I back. need
0: you at, your, at my yeah. back. Yeah. yeah. Or out in well, front of me, better yet.
1: Well, yeah. And, and I had talked with a couple of people about that. That's the uniqueness of um, talking about the spiritual, yeah. spiritual armor, that there's nothing that covered the, the, the soldiers' backs. Because two things were were never an option. Retreat was never an option, and surrender was never an option. So a soldier could not, in battle, turn and run because he was completely exposed in his back. But then they also had this understanding that in combat, they fought back to back. So I knew that you have my back. So if, if you're not effective suddenly what happens to my back? It's exposed. It's exposed. Yeah. I, I, I'm just as at risk in, in the, the ministry opportunities because my back is exposed because you're not there. As much as I could say, well, it's, you know, I could t- tail and run because I don't like the way things are going, I'm still exposed. My back is still exposed. So, so not giving up, not giving in, and going into it, but also knowing then that relationally you do have my back.
0: <sighs> yeah. And this is going to lead into the next point just a little bit more, but it's it's organizational unity. Yep. And and so I want you to hear this, too, because I don't think that the fighting was just two guys together. Right. Do, you, do You guys, this is going back to eighth grade, many, many years ago, Juliana. I know. I'm older than dirt, or almost. Um, but I remember in Latin class learning about the phalanx, P-H-A-L-Y-N. I think it was X. Um, does anybody know that what that word is? Yes, Mark. Great. Way to go. Anybody else know what the phalanx is? You guys probably know it. You've seen it in movies. You you know it? Okay, cool, uh, Don. So here's the idea, is that in the Roman uh, uh, approach to war, what they would do is they would get a small group of probably 15, 20 soldiers together, and they all carried shields. And so when they were uh, working together in an organized unity to, to take uh, a fort, let's say, what they would do is that the people over the, the wall would be trying to rain down arrows and spears and all these other things on them, oil or whatever, to, to thwart the enemy or the, the Romans from going in. Mm-hmm. So what they would do is they would take their shields and they would create like a shell barrier. So they would hold them over their heads, they put them in front and around them and create an organized structure mm-hmm. where they would protect one another. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what you have is missional unity is mm-hmm. bolstered as we organize in unity together yeah. a, for our health and protection and right. safety right. and effectiveness. Mm-hmm. And that's not a defensive approach, by the way. It's very offensive. A, yeah. Very yeah, offensive. Yeah, absolutely.
1: You know. And so, one of those things um, in in that understanding of organizational unity, unity is the word that that kind of gets. Stuck on a on a burner that only has to do with church offerings, but it's being a steward. Yeah. Um. So so in stewarding what it is that God has given us, there there's that understanding of that organizational unity coming because we're stewards, and we manage well what, all of those resources that God has given us. Yeah.
0: So so those are the the way that we see, yeah. uh, unity spelled out in the church.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Now
0: now I want to move us a little more quickly, uh, because I think we need to hit a couple more things, Steve, this morning. Because what we're dealing again with is the gathering. What we do when we gather. So you you see, we're trying to amplify our unity together as a church. So what what else does that entail? Mm -hmm. It entails us doing some key things. First of all, we come together and we celebrate.
1: What do we celebrate when we come together? So we've connected. Yes. Then we celebrate. Right. What should we be celebrating? Well, to me, I would say let's celebrate first of all that Jesus is King of Kings and yep. Lord of Lords. I mean shouldn't that be one of our one of our prime reasons why we want to celebrate? Yep. And I think this, as a result of that when when we talk about that celebrating that the glory of God and the work of Jesus in our salvation, then we can also go, "Man, what is he actually doing?" To, to be celebrating that. So I say we, we celebrate the wins. What is it that God is doing? And let's celebrate that. Mm-hmm. And so I think part of that comes to me that that if if God's not doing a work, is that God's fault or the church's fault? You, you know what I mean by that? Mm-hmm. And And I would say... I want to know what God is doing. I want to celebrate with you what it is that God's doing in the life of the church, which means what God's doing in your individual life. Let's celebrate what it is that God is doing.
0: Yeah. And, and that goes back to that one of those early statements I made is, we're not a perfect church. We never will be. but what is God doing? He's perfecting us, yeah. and we need to be looking for those things how, and how He is perfecting yeah. every one of us, yeah. even through trials. That's that's one of those things that the, the world today, uh, in, in contemporary wrong theology, doesn't celebrate. They the the, the church at, as, uh, at large wants to say you shouldn't experience trials. Everything ought to be good because if you're right. if you're uh, doing what's right, then you shouldn't experience struggles. Think that's what Job's friends we're saying, right? right. We obviously right. use sin. That's not the case. Right. Trials perfect us. That is right. how God works. And we need to be looking at, at those things and championing how God is trying to perfect us yeah. through those things. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, I think even it's things like um, celebrating how God is using us. That, so, exactly. so why I exactly. identified little Daniel Taylor this morning. Giving away 16 Bibles on a public school campus during his uh, recess is an incredible it's thing for him cel- to do. Yeah, yeah. Celebrating a spiritual so, so it's those kind of things. Yeah. And, and again, the only way to know those things is to be
1: in community together. Yep, there you go. Right.
0: So, and that comes into this, too. We champion things. Right.
1: Yeah, so champion is, the, is, is what, it, what is it that God's doing? What is it that God's doing right now in the, in the life of the grove? We, we should be championing that and, and say, hey, come on, join in. This is what God's doing. This is what God's about. This is where He's moving and working. Come on, join in. And so the celebrate and champion always really kind of just, just are hand in hand. Yeah. You know, because like you, you take that perfect example of, of, of Danny giving out the Bibles. We can celebrate that, but shouldn't we also champion that and go, man, I could have done the same thing, right? I, you know, I'm I'm encouraged by him. I'm also kind of exhorted by him to go, man. Maybe I should have been doing the same thing or something like it. Mm-hmm. So, so finding out what God is doing, and 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 getting involved, getting getting a part of that, is that is that celebrate and champion? Yeah,
0: exactly, good. And then I think the other one is. Uh, so we're going through some Cs right now that that we do in the gathering. So another one is challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, I. I I know that a lot of people say, why do I need to be at church on a Sunday morning? I can do my private devotion time or other things. I don't really need a Sunday morning thing. You know, we just hear Matt and Steve, they drone on and on and on. Can I give you... You drone, I don't. Okay, Um, I'll give you that. So I want to remind you of this incredibly important passage in Timothy, 2 Timothy 4. Uh, Here is uh, Paul writing to Timothy to encourage him and he says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing in his kingdom. Here's what he charges. Preach the word. Be ready, ready. in season and out of season. Repre- reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience yeah. and teaching. There is an instruction given that we need to be preaching and teaching the word. And, and that is not just to the church body that gathers in four walls. That's as well in to, to people we and especially like the word teach there is that we teach people the good news in the highways and byways of life that, that we're not just saying oh you got to be here to, to hear these things but there's an importance to us teaching the word of God and gathering to hear those things it's interesting because earlier in the, the letter in verse uh, chapter 2 verse 14 uh, here's what, what Paul writes and he says, Remind them of these things and charge them before God, not to quarrel about words which does no good, but only ruins the hearer. <laughs> so, so there's this idea that the, in, the call of the preacher, teacher, the one who is to lead, is to challenge, It's to, to charge. And here's the idea, to insist emphatically that they would do, live their lives based on godly desire. That, that's that idea. So, so when you hear us up here speaking with great passion and, and a lot of things that we've, I hope comes across that we've digested these things, that yeah. it's, it's almost second nature and there's a f- heart flow is that these things come out of hearts of guys that have devoted themselves to the preaching and teaching of God's Word. And, and that that is about the challenge of us as a body to do what God is calling us to do. Yeah. That we would not, Grow weary of doing good things. Yeah. But instead, yeah. we as a body would be zealous after these things and, and, and uphold that
1: charge. Yeah, and and, and absolutely, because, you know, I, I would hope, I, I would hope the opposite is very true, too. You don't rely on just the, the 30, 45, 50 minutes of, yeah. of teaching that you get here on Sunday morning as being the only source of spiritual nourishment. However when, when talking to the church, you can't be the church unless you're in community. Right. And so that, that, that call to preach the word is a beautiful understanding that I'm not calling it to myself. I'm calling out to the church and I'm preaching the word and I, and I'm calling it out. And so it's more, it's more than just me hearing it. So, so I think it's that both and in that understanding that it, that is we are challenged with the relevant truth of the whole counsel of scripture mm-hmm. that it is because we see a a very high value of doing that in community but because yes. also we see the high value of that of that transformationally making my life more like Jesus Christ so you, you were saying before how you were talking about nobody's perfect but we're moving in holies, yeah. we're, we're being perfected. That sanctification is is not just for the individual believer in the church, it is for the church. Right. So sanctification is that ongoing process that is for the individual parts of the body and it is for the whole body and the only way, well not the only way, a, a massive, massively important role in that growth And holiness is the transformational renewing of our minds, being bathed in the Word, hearing the Word, digesting the Word, being in community because of the Word. And that's why it says, we who in obedience to the Word of God, it's it's non-negotiable. Right.
0: And so then lastly, in this organizational unity, what we're looking at is commissioning. Yeah. So that, and you can look back at the, the last part of our definition, is that we would be uh, people that are scattered and fulfilling the great commission and the great commandment. That that we are being a bo- uh, we are called as a body to be sent yeah, out. Absolutely. And, and ultimately, that's going to lead into the going in a sense too. But we're still doing that as we gather on Sunday mornings. That we are working to to say, how do we send you out in the world, commissioned to do ministry? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Th- those are the the things that really occur those those five C's, those five C's un- under the value. organizational mm-hmm. unity yep. of what yep. we do. Absolutely. So then w- let me let me go back and highlight these things really quickly, because first of all we we've covered what it means for us to exhort and encourage one another. Second, uh, this idea of unity as a community gathered mm-hmm. together. And then we look at this idea of what it means to meet others' needs yeah. in uh in, in to uphold these values and virtues. Mm-hmm. So if you look at Acts. Chapter four, verse thirty-two. Um, it says this: Now the full member, full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. Mm-hmm. So, so, there's a yeah. generosity that we should express as a church. That our, our lifestyle should be such that we're stewarding our resources so it's not, well, I've got all these things. No, God has blessed me with these things so that I can, whether it be skills or gifts or resources, so I can serve the body well um, and, and that you guys have your needs met. So let me give you an illustration of that. Do you guys know what the difference is between a front-door guest and a back-door guest is? Or somebody that has refrigerator rights to your home? So So... I, I can think about um, some friends when I was in high school, especially. They would just, like, walk in, and, and my, our, my parents just opened up the home to them. And they had re- the rights just to walk in and grab whatever out of the refrigerator. They didn't go in and ask. And, and I had that at some of their homes, too. It's because we grew so comfortable with each other that it wasn't about the formalities. It was like we were family. That's how we ought to be striving to grow no. in, in, in our life together as as followers of Christ in a local body especially, that we live at that level of kitchen. Right. You're you're always in the yeah. kitchen. You're, you're coming yeah. to the back door. You don't have to worry about, hey, I'm at the front door ringing the doorbell, knocking and waiting for the formal right. invitation to come in. Right. So you want to say anything more about that?
1: Real quick, only... Um, Acts 2 is a great example of that, of understanding that, that what I have to offer is not mine. Mm. You know, we talked about being stewards, that, that, that the beauty of, of Acts 2 showed us what and an communal living looked like, that, that everything that they had, they said, is, is not really mine, it, it's, it's, for, it's for the common good of, of the body. So again, understanding meeting each other's needs is going to be one of those things, A, you don't know what the other person's needs are if you're not in relationship with them, mm. right? And then secondly, to go, you know what? If you need it and I have it, here you go. Yeah. Because if we're all doing that, if, if everyone's made a conscious effort to always meet each other's needs, guess what's going to happen to you? Your own needs are going to be met. It, it, it's a circle. Yeah.
0: It's a reciprocal yep, absolutely. relationship. Yep. So, so lastly, mm-hmm. we ought to be focusing on our gathering that is a, a, a worship gathering that points yeah. people to Jesus yep. over and over and over again. And that should always be the case. Mm-hmm. So I want to read this passage in John 17, uh, verses 20 and 21. This is the high priestly prayer mm-hmm. of Jesus uh, right before he is t- to, to be uh, going to Gethsemane where he's going to then enter into the trial. So this is his prayer to all 12 disciples that are gathered there in the upper room. And he says in verse 20, I do not ask for these only. So he's praying for his disciples uh, in that moment. But also, he continues, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. So there's a following testimony that the the disciples are going to share the word of of Jesus or the testimony of Jesus. And there's going to be more that come to faith in him. Now listen to what, so, so that's you and me. So he's now praying for you and me. Now listen to what that prayer is. Wow. That they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me.
1: There you go.
0: So, so here's the, the call, is that as we do life well and we exalt, glorify God, yep. exalt Christ, his testimony is made bright, by us, so that that we are salt and light to a world that is desperate for Christ, that we would bring glory to Him, that people would come to faith. So that that goes right back to that idea of commissioning. So our our point of gathering is not just to say, hey, we we feel good about ourselves. The whole point of gathering is that we would celebrate the good things of Jesus and what He's done, but to take that message and then share it with a world who needs Christ,
1: Amen. Okay. Yeah, amen. I'm so,
0: we're done, except with this, for this morning. I want to ask this question. Where, where does that leave us? Yeah. Okay? Where does that leave us? What's, what's the conclusion of the matter for you personally, for us even collectively as a church? So, so our, our definition's up here, but can I, can I ask it and, and think through the thoughts? What did the Holy Spirit, like, maybe go, Hmm. Matt, this is something you're missing or your name in there, not just mine, okay? So what what is it that you are being called to do in Mm -hmm. church life? Yeah. Because, and and I, I say this pretty consistently. Look around. Who's missing today? Who's been absent from church life consistently as of late? That that needs you. To come back in and be the community that they need to exhort and encourage and challenge and speak truth, because that is not just an elder responsibility; no. that is a body life responsibility. Yeah. I, I I'll, I'll confess I, I hit fifty this summer. I I've been, I'm trying to lose weight. Um, I was running almost every day for a while, you know, nothing lengthy. If it Um, ain't chasing
1: you, why are you running? Because
0: I I need to sweat and burn calories, Steve. So one of the things that happened is when I did soccer camp, I think I, like, tweaked my knee, Um, and then as I started studying, it didn't heal right. I think that I have an IT band issue, which is like a, a band that runs from your hip to your knee, and so I've had to stop running. Okay, so so in the process of that, you threw me off. I don't know where I was going with that. It was
1: good, though. You keep at it.
0: It was good.
1: Yeah, yeah. Do you want me to rescue you here? Rescue me, one? please, because I don't know what I was going to say with that illustration. So, you know, as, and it's also because he turned 50. I'm so he's, depressed. He's having like my that. My mind is you know, gone. If you were young like I yeah. am young. Um, <laughs> Very funny.
0: Yeah, thank you. I am. <laughs>
1: My wife told me I need to quit joking around so much. But anyway, (laughs) I think as as we flesh this out, being (laughs) healthy. Well, you're not being lovely right now to me, and that's what I need. I think in fleshing all of this out, we're really kind of taking a mirror and looking at ourselves. And and finding health, and I think that part of what you were trying to say in that senior moment is that one way that you were trying to be healthy and grow was through this aspect of exercise for you, and something happened that that sidetracked you. Mm-hmm. But it still doesn't mean that that's not what you should be doing. Right. And, and I think as we as we look at this right now, in in all honesty, the imagine what would the church look like if all of us were effectively really living out gathering today. As we've pressed into all of these components, you know, we can go, oh, well, I've got an excuse here, I've got an excuse there, I, I, I've done this or I've done that. And, and we can all find excuses, but they're just that, they're excuses. Mm-hmm. And I think as we press into really effectively saying, gathering is non-negotiable as being part of the body of Christ and and fleshing that out authentically to say, man, I want to do that because I believe in the mission of, of Jesus Christ and as part of the body of Christ, I have a responsibility to do that. Mm-hmm. And it's not just the elders. It's not just it's not just your, your grow group leader that, that gets to do this for you. It's us doing it and living it out together so that if somebody is noticeably absent or if... If you've been sidetracked by something that's kept you, y- y- your needs are still going to be met. You're still going to be encouraged. You're still going to be in community because you're not doing it alone.
0: Right, right. Did I save you on that one? Kind of. Good. I, I, I've been stretching my brain still thinking what I, I, I was going after. I can't remember. So, so here's what I want to ask you. How are you? Yeah. How are you doing? Where are you invested? And you say, well, I'm here, Matt. I'm here at the gathering. Great. But who is not that we need to reach out to? How do we need to minister to them effectively? Mm -hmm. Because it's not just this, hey, I missed you at church. It's what's going on in your life. I've missed you consistently. How can I be praying for you? How do I walk through these things so that we are a body that's being effective Mm -hmm. in our lives? Because I'm going to tell you this, and and this is, I guess, a little prophetic, but but I'm going to be really blunt for a moment. If we're not moving in health here, how can God honor us to reach other people, to draw them into this body so that they grow healthy? He can't do that. And so so we've got to be doing both, obviously, because I think it's a simultaneous call. But if we get complacent about where we think we are, folks, that's not healthy. Mm -hmm. We each need to be challenged daily because as long as the Lord has us here on this earth, He is not done with us. So there's no level of scholarship or spiritual growth that we can achieve that that is going to be the end all. The Lord will not have us do that because He's constantly sanctifying us. And if He's sanctifying us, He's doing that for a purpose to to change us and to change other people and be influential for the kingdom. So how are you going to walk in relationship as a member of this body towards health? That is a key what do you need to maybe go to someone and confess and call, hey, I need help in this, be, to be authentic and transparent so that people know what's going on in your life? Because the tendency is for us to withdraw and isolate, and that's not healthy because that's not doing church, the body life, in community as God has called us to do.
1: Yeah. Amen. Amen.
0: So I want to do this. Let's pray. Yeah. And I just want you to listen to the Lord. I want you to ask in this question, Father, what is it that you desire for me to do in body life? What is it that you desire to me to do in body life? And then listen, and then answer in obedience to Him.
1: Father, thank you so much for, for again, making the church. <laughs> thank you so much for bringing us to something as, 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 as ragtag and as, as messed up as, as each of us in our own individual way could be, and, and knowing that we just don't have our acts together. You've not called the qualified. You qualify the called. You move us in holiness, and I'm so excited to see what that's looking like right now in the life of, of the Grove, and, and how you're shaping and molding us to be a more beautiful, clear image of Jesus Christ that is loving those that don't, net, don't yet know you, Jesus. Give us the continued courage to press into real relationship, to be about Being in community and gathering and gathering well and gathering authentically, exhorting and encouraging. And and, and as we do that, those things that we do, those things that we say truly will be because we're glorifying and magnifying the name of Jesus Christ. We want to thank you for your love and your goodness in our life. And mostly we thank you for Jesus Christ. And it's in His name we pray. Amen.
0: So, we want you to go and connect in communities change lives. Here's two ways to do that. One, if you will uh, see Katie, she's standing right back there. She was on the platform today about this ministry need for Nicole and her family. Uh, Please find her in the foyer uh, at the Welcome Center. Is that where you're going to be, sweetie? Okay. Um, So she will be out there. Make sure that you uh, talk to her about that ministry need. Also, men, Steve is going to be in the Welcome Center uh, with a card today. If you need to register for Men at the Cross, uh, which is coming October, I think it's 18th, 19th, that is a weekend that you all men need to go to. We we are contributing $200 to the church to cover your costs. Steve will have that uh, card. Uh, out there so you can register and that that deposit is made through the church. So, Steve, make your way out there and you're free to go. Have a wonderful Sunday afternoon and go this week in connecting communities and change lives.